Welcome to Twig's SE Reflections, a podcast series meant for students and practitioners of the somatic and psychobiologically based therapies. This is a venue for me to share informal, off-the-top thoughts and meditations about what I do and don't do as a somatic therapist and consultant, a kind of intellectual oasis. Feel free to join the conversation, pass the word around, ask me a question or two. More information at liberationispossible.org backslash SE Reflections. Let's see what happens next. What I can tell you is that I've been looking at getting together an SE blog, like a SE Reflections blog for some time. I talk with a lot of people in consultations, a lot of people in trainings over the years. I field a lot of questions over email, et cetera, et cetera. And I've thought, oh, it'd be good to put all this information, my responses, my most common responses, in a venue where practitioners could access them more at their own pace, at their own whim. And I won't have to repeat for new consultation people the same thing that I've repeated, say, a dozen or five dozen times. So I've been looking at doing that. And, and over the time, I've been looking at the options and I've decided that a podcast is probably the, the most beneficial and, and frankly, the easiest way for me to go about having a dialogue and a conversation with folks that are interested. So these are um, my reflections on my own impressions about the work that we do and uh, my answers to common questions, including questions that you might send to me. And today I was thinking that I might share something on spontaneity, on on the back and forthness of our dialogue with our clients, which I consider to be one of the one of the more important things to get moving in the right direction right at the beginning, if at all possible. And so um, I thought I'd give you a few thoughts on that. This is my little take on spontaneity. Now to start with, one of the things I quote myself saying a lot is, as I say, you know, to start with, you're not looking for profundity. You're looking for brevity. You're looking for the the small enough conversation that makes it so that a conversation can get started. You're not necessarily interested or even desirous of big heavies at the beginning. What you might prefer is, in fact, talking about the weather, talking about the traffic, talking about the daily news, talking um, yes-no questions. Um, you remember your dreams from last night? That's a yes-no question, right? Do you remember your dreams from last night? Did you get any sleep lately? How things been moving through? That's a classic Stephen Hoskinson line. There's so many little ways to do chit-chat, the gift of gab, as Peter Levine has called it, to get the back and forth moving between you and your client. You know, if anything can be said, you don't want yourself to be the only one in the room nor do you want your client to be the only one in the room. This is going to work. This somatic experiencing stuff is going to work precisely because both of you are in the room. This is a classic, nobody can do it alone and nobody can do it for you kind of place. You need this back and forth where you're able to later ask a question, get a response, be able to place what that response means to you on the maps, on the various maps of pendulation, Um, activation, deactivation, coupling dynamics, all of that kind of stuff. You need to be able to get that information so that you can ask the next question intelligently so as to facilitate a certain directionality to the movement of things. You also need your client to be becoming more and more participatory, more and more interested in exactly what it is you're asking about. When I say, at first you're not looking for profundity, you're looking for brevity, I mean precisely that you are looking 
for conversations that start small and have the opportunity to build their momentum and their spontaneity as they move forward until there's enough, as it were, information in the room, whether that's somatic information, tracking myself and being able to relate to what I'm experiencing, or intellectual, cognitive information, thoughts and ideas and insights and whatnot, My primary place of pulling that out for people is my willingness to be inside of conversation where it it kind of has this gentle back and forth nature to it. Now, a few things that really should be said, should just be said right away, is that not everybody converses at the same pace. Not everybody likes chit-chat. Not everybody is going to feel comfortable in the easy back and forth conversation. That's in fact, somewhat diagnostic and of interest for us in terms of access to social engagement and these kind of things. And it's one of our primary responsibilities to be able to recognize what are the limits of this person's engagement with me? Is chit-chat, or I don't want to cheapen this by by calling it chit-chat every time. I just want to say that is this back and forth an option for us where I ask or say, comment on something and my client comments back and we kind of bounce the communication back and forth between each other. Now on one extreme, of course, we'll know many clients, you'll have these, I have these, of course, you know, people, I I think I might have been this person myself, you know, the before the doors even close behind them, they're launching before they've landed into the chair, you know, and, and 15 minutes, 20 minutes into the session, you haven't been able to get a, quote, word in edgewise, right? Now, that's, that's one pattern, and it's, it's definitely the faster pattern. And then on the, on the slower pattern side, there's just as likely that a client of yours is much slower than you, talks at a much slower pace than you. Now, either one of those, they talk faster than you or they talk slower than you, you still are looking for and hoping for some kind of quality of back and forth. Now, if the speed is that faster speed, your back and forth might be, need to be, really, wow, whoa, no kidding, what happened next? You might need to jump in there with that kind of rapidity and, 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 and speed to match them. Whereas on the slower side, your back and forth isn't hopefully going to be something where they take a moment to contemplate your question or your commentary And then they finally say something back to you and immediately you hit it back to them and say, wow, what else do you know about that? Instead, you would kind of take your time to match their pace a bit and hear what they had said, maybe even have to hear it two or three times inside your own mind in order to give the appropriate feeling of echo inside of your own thoughts before you then, hmm, you know, that's... That's curious, Twig. I, I wonder if, um, if you might say anything more about that. The notion being that the, the desire is to match with the client's pacing enough that they feel that much more comfortable inside of themselves and blend themselves then into that much more spontaneity or that much more ease. So profundity... It's a wonderful thing, and I am as attracted to it as anybody. I can definitely say that this was one of my larger 
struggles in my work with somatic experiencing, the, the great desire to be the genius, to come up with exactly the right thing to say, and for that thing to be of great depth and value, I feel more comfortable now, and I think my clients get far more out of my sessions these days than they did in the past when I am now simply talking about the uh, flowers outside if it's summertime or springtime or the nature of the rain coming down just as a way to get some, some kind of movement and momentum possibility going in the back and forth between the two of us. With that kind of conversation back and forth, I then have the opportunity to steer the attention, which is my job, to direct or redirect attention as necessary. And my client has the opportunity to kind of take pauses in their narrative so that it's not simply a monologue, but there is some back and forth to it. Now, moving into that fast pattern is something that I think that a lot of you are, yeah, how do you do that? How do you do that? And it's something that, that I'm going to look at with you at some point. But I'm, I'm going to move over here to the nature of this from the philosophical direction, which is to say that in trying to establish smaller conversations, the momentum and the tit-for-tat of the, the kind of conversational exchange, one of the primary things we're looking for is the increasing sense of spontaneity. In fact, if I could say one of the primary things that I'm tracking in my sessions is what is the level of relative spontaneity at this moment? And I mean relative to the last moment, in particular in relationship to my interventions. So that as I say something to my client, I'm kind of tagging it with a question. The question is, Will they be more spontaneous with what I just said or less? If I'm noticing repeatedly, a couple times in a row, that my interaction with them, my questions, my directives, my, um, my curiosity is lending toward less spontaneity on their part, I'm taking that as dramatic and extremely important feedback to change my behavior. I might change the tone of voice I use. I might change the pacing that I use. I might change even the nature of the questions that I'm using. If I'm getting repeated sense that what I'm doing is actually leading to less spontaneity rather than more, I am now back in a place of curiosity on my own part of what else can I be doing or what can I not be doing that I am doing right now that will help this person to feel more comfortable with that greater comfort, have the capacity for greater spontaneity. If I were to take the broadest perspective of the critical nature of spontaneity for our sessions, I would say, wow, you know, at some point, it could be that some things need to be put into place before this can happen. But at some point, what I'm looking for is for this person to allow a completely involuntary experience to happen spontaneously without them or I knowing what's about to happen next. I mean, the, the entire notion of our work is that there are things that are waiting to happen, but we don't yet know what those are. It is, in fact, the presumption that we do know what they are before they happen that so often leads us to getting in the way of something that is meant to go in a, in a radically or even slightly different direction. Our 
permission for spontaneity and our participation with spontaneity becomes a, a critical element in the advanced sessions. Starting with that right at the beginning where the nature of our time together is where spontaneity is increased. Now that doesn't mean that you know, a person just becomes like, wow, you know, I'm completely disinhibited and I can just do whatever I want, whenever I want it from the place of remarkable, you know, fixity and inhibition. It means that from fixity and inhibition, they become more spontaneous. I mean, I don't know what that means. That could mean that they answer my question 1% easier or faster or with more levity or that they seem to go inside with their attention much 1%, 2%, a little bit easier. Or that in being curious about something, it's freer for them to pay attention to it. I'm not looking for people to become, quote, spontaneous. I'm looking for them to become more spontaneous from where they are at this moment. And I'm using that as a guidepost, uh, like a, a sign or a signal for me as I move from one moment to the next within the session to say, are we creating more momentum here or less? Now, of course, to do this, what we ask, what we ask for has everything to say about what the prospects are for increased spontaneity. One of the patterns that I think frustrates somatic experiencing practitioners the most is a kind of a goal-driven directive. I need to ask this person about their internal experience. I need to ask this person about their body experience. And then I go to do that. I say, hey, Twig, you know, as we're sitting here talking, can you tell me what you notice inside right now? Um nothing, right? That question right there, that question where I, I, I'm just driven as a practitioner, you know, just driven to ask this question, well, what are you feeling right now? And, and what's changed? And if my client is not spontaneously responding to this, I mean, it might be their own pace again, right? Their spontaneity might be with curiosity, uh, a kind of entering into the question over time, but it's fairly spontaneous nevertheless for them, can be a different pacing. But if it's not, in fact, spontaneous, I need to respect that my question is essentially repeating their failure, or I'm asking them to do something that they're about to fail at, you know, and, and I hear that from clients or from practitioners all the time who say, you know, my clients, they, they feel like they can't do this, or I feel like my clients can't do this somatic experiencing stuff. The solution for that is not to say, oh, there's some people who can do this and some people who can't, but to recognize that within the range of communication, some people require less and some people require more in terms of intensity, directiveness, helpfulness. Many, many, many different factors can lend its, themselves toward either helping a person succeed or kind of helping to be sure that a person fails and in that failure help to create less or help to inhibit spontaneity. One of the things that I try to make a consistent effort toward in my own, I don't know, I would say my, my daily life, my, my communication practice with people, particularly with my clients, is to look for the question where the person can say yes. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm only asking nice questions. It doesn't mean that I'm only talking about 
beautific kind of things. But it does mean that I'm I'm trying to be as conscious about my communication as possible to not ask questions that repeatedly derive answers of no. I've watched this in teenagers. I've had I've had an eye on this in teenagers for some time. You know, you get to a certain age where you have just enough autonomy to really be exploring just how much autonomy you have. And so you start asking, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? Can I do that? And one of the patterns that can arise from this is to ask for every single thing that you could think of. Can I, can I stay out till 10 p.m. on Friday? Can I stay out past midnight on Saturday? And many of those questions, of course, are going to return an obvious no. They're going to return an obvious no. You can't use the car on, you know, a Saturday night until after midnight in, in the vast majority of families. And so when you know that you're going to get a no response, you know, there's a certain point that can be made of like, well, by asking it, you reinforce how totalitarian your parents are. But once you've gone past doing that a time or two, and you're simply asking repeatedly in order to test your possibilities, but in fact, what you're repeatedly reinforcing is no, I suspect that what you start to do in that situation, and I, I, I can feel fairly confident that I did exactly this when I was a teenager, we condition our parents to think that the next question we ask is another question that they're going to say no to. And in that case, we start limiting the chances that the questions that we ask receive um, a maybe or a possibly or even a yes based purely on the experience that the vast majority of the questions we ask result in a no. This is something that I actually counsel teenagers on. I say, you know, look, if you can tell that before you ask the question, the answer is going to be no, you're unnecessarily spending your question by reinforcing your parents telling you no. It would be so much wiser in terms of you getting what you want for you to be able to hold back that particular desire, which you know is going to end up in a inhibition. And instead, wait until you have something else that might reflect a maybe or a, even a yes. I think practitioners do the same thing all the time. We repeatedly ask our clients what are you noticing now? What can you say now? What do you feel now? And many clients, their answer is no in one way or another, whether it's looking off to the edge of the room or whether or not it's a direct no, or even if it's a statement, you know, when you ask that, I don't know what to tell you. If we're repeatedly doing that, we start to not only reinforce for the client their sense of failure in being able to do what we're asking for, but we make it more likely that when we ask them for something that they can do, that they're going to be less ready and observant of the fact that it is possible. So one of the things that I make a, a consistent self-study of is to try to notice the questions that I have and to see if it's possible for me to either frame them in a way that they're going to receive a yes, or at the least a maybe, and to see if I can hold back my own activation, as it were, on questions that are almost surely going to get a no. The more I can weed those away from my sessions, the more spontaneous my sessions become, and the more momentum that's built up between myself and my client. So those are a few thoughts. Spontaneity, keeping it right at the front. Is this more spontaneous or less? 
between last minute, last five minutes, beginning of the session, last six months, and profundity, it's a wonderful thing. Can I get this moving in the right direction rather than constantly be focused on being profound? And lastly, can I frame my questions so that they cultivate this capacity for yes, so that the momentum, the spontaneity, as it were, between the two of us can can develop. Those are some thoughts. I encourage you to take them with you as you go off into your sessions. And whatever doesn't work for you here, just leave it and it's on the recording. Just let it sit there. What do you need it for if it doesn't work for you? I'll be looking forward to what comes next. And if that's a question or an email for me to address on this podcast, then that would be great. You can contact me through liberationispossible.org. This is Twig's SE Reflections. Take care.